Our text is from chapter 9, where Jesus, with compassion, looks on the people and where he says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. As we uh, seek to reflect on this, let's pray together for God's word to speak to our hearts. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can read your word together, that we can have it uh, before us again, your living, active, renewing word, and that by it you would also touch our hearts, encourage us, draw us closer to yourself, bring your gospel truth to our view again, that we would be your humble servants. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Congregation of Jesus Christ, we sang a Christmas song. I was hoping it would snow this morning, and then you'd really have the feeling, eh? Ah, we're almost there. Some people are thinking, we, we have too, a daughter-in-law who loves Christmas. I hardly wait. We were in the mall yesterday, and there was a Santa Claus in Red Deer, walking around in a full suit. I thought, and kids too are looking. This is odd. But it's not odd. Especially in the message of go. Go and tell the good news. That's why we sang that song. And that's the call the Lord has on our lives. That we need to go and share that gospel good news of the Lord Jesus. This morning we are thinking about that in relation to our renewal uh, plans. We are joining or entering into a time as a church thinking of of renewal, being renewed in in our ministry as a church. And so we want to think about that in relation to God's call on our lives. And the question before us this morning is, why are we engaging in this process of renewal? And people have asked that of me, and that's a very good question, and it deserves an answer, and we are going to look at that this morning. Why are we entering into this process of renewal as a church? I know when I first heard about it, I was a little skeptical. It came up at a classes meeting, and there was this opportunity to enter into a, a cohort, a group of churches, and to reflect uh, on God's renewing work in the church and in our lives. I thought, oh, I don't know. And even as we met last Saturday, not yesterday, but a week ago Saturday, as a renewal team, uh, we met with the six churches and all of their representatives. And the first question was of, of the group of 60, 70 gathered there, what do you think of this renewal stuff? And everybody was, well, uh, don't know, we'll see, and this kind of thing, right? And that's, that's understandable because, yeah, what is it exactly and what's all going to happen? We came away as a... As, Churches too, very encouraged, and it's just, just to to see again God's call on our lives and on our church to be that renewing presence of faith and of the gospel for the sake of Jesus. And so, we do believe it will be very good for our church, and we're going to take it step by step. It's a two-year uh, kind of process, and it'll just work itself out as we go along, and we will let the Spirit speak to us as we go forward. The first step is is prayer. And so last Sunday, we did spend just a little extra time in prayer. 
And that, that is the central basis of any church, any ministry too, that before, before we step forward, oh, let's do this, let's do that. No, we, we pray for the Spirit's presence and the Spirit's leading. And so we spent a significant time in prayer last Sunday seeking to the Spirit's presence in us and in our congregation, in our involvement, and that requires prayer. Prayer to to focus our own hearts, our own minds, to open us to that renewing power and presence of the Spirit that God would want to work in us. And so it's my prayer, too, that together we, we come to understand more and more a, a need for renewal and also that we enter into that process with, with good hope and confidence. So that's the point this morning. The key word, as Wayne mentioned, is, is a sense of urgency. And so... This is not really an optional thing. This is not just something, oh, Pastor Mike is on to something. Again, he'll slow down after a while. So that's, that's not really the vision. And, and then the, the sense of church, too. Say, well, there's a couple people on the renewal team, and, and yeah, they'll get a little excited, but that'll all settle down after a while, and we'll be fine. There, there is really an understanding of a sense of urgency that we need that we need to do this, that, that it's always in the life of a church at different times, at different points, to pause and to reflect and, and to really seek the renewing power and presence of the Spirit. And what are we doing as church? How are we being effective in God's kingdom? And so this is really one of those times. Are we able to engage, too, God's will for us as a church to reach out to people, to enfold them into our fellowship? And so we want to uh, consider that sense of urgency this morning, and it grows out of two considerations, two points in the message this morning. First of all, what we want, and secondly, what God wants. And they're related and you could take them in either order, but let's just start with what we would want as a church. What do we want? And the most obvious thing that we want, I think that you would agree with me, is that we have a full church like this every Sunday. Not just on special occasions, it's wonderful on special occasions, but that every single Sunday, we would want this church this full and fuller. I mean, could we agree on that? Yeah, absolutely. And that in that, we would recognize God drawing people to himself, God bringing people into fellowship with him, God bringing people together to encourage one another. That's what we want to do. We want to be ministering to people, bringing them to faith, helping them grow, even as we promised with little Eric. And we want to we be that kind of church. That's what we want to do in honor of God and for the upbuilding of people. So, so yeah, we would want young people coming to faith and participating in ministry and being part of the church. We would want young families with kids be part of the fellowship. We would want to see everyone finding a place and a home here in our midst, in God's church. So when we met 
last Saturday, uh, Keith Dornboss, he just uh, paused and he shared with us, he, he handed out this page. It's a page that uh, he just compiled um, of the six churches. There, there are six churches listed here. And of the six churches uh, that are part of the renewal process. And so they're each, each listed here. Our church too, Bethel uh, Church in Edmonton. First Church in Edmonton, First Church in Red Deer, the Rimby Christian Reformed Church, and the Stony Plain Christian Reformed Church. And he just, he just compiled the statistics. We as a church are, are, are quite good at statistics and things. And so every year, every church puts out their membership list. And, and so he just went back over 10 years and he just, just looked at, okay, how's the membership in the different churches over the last 10 years? And, and the first thing that's totally obvious is that the membership is declining significantly. And so, for example, uh, Bethel Church in Edmonton was at 640. Now it's at 440 over 10 years. And that's just the numbers they send in. And then first Edmonton too. It's going to from about 400 to about 350. And then ourselves, going from about 400 to about 310. Over 10 years, decline. First Red Deer, going from 600 to 400 members. Rimby, going from 200 to 150. Stony Plain, going from 140 to 80. Is there a sense of urgency here? There's just something right there. You say, hold it now. Wait a minute. That's, that's not how it's supposed to go. That's not how we want it to go. And when you don't look at the actual numbers, they go, everything's going fine. But when you actually... Look at the numbers. You say, wait a minute, things are not fine. And so, so what do we do? Well, we crumble this up, throw it away. That's not helpful at all. And so he simply laid this before us. He said, look, at this is the actual situation in your churches over the past 10 years. And, and the obvious point, uh, it actually struck me, uh, I'm not sure if it's striking you, but this is no way to continue. You cannot keep going like this. Something needs to be done. Something needs to be reflected on, addressed. Adjustments need to be made. So that, first of all. Then he had other statistics here, and in, in our keeping statistics, there's always uh, things like uh, baptisms. Ha <laughs> ha! Baptism. And so, yeah, the churches have had a significant number of baptisms. Uh, Bethel and Edmonton, 130. We've had 30 over the past 10 years. And so different, yeah, there are baptisms. Excellent. So that's a wonderful way, and the church grows. Wonderful. And then there's professions of faith, and we've had over 40 over the past 10 years, so that's wonderful too. But what happens too in that regard, I'm thinking my own children too, made profession of faith, 
But they're not here. Yeah, they're here in Edmonton, Calgary, and now in Grand Rapids. And, and so, yeah, the, the actual sense of, of, of having children, raising children, having them here and having them stay here, it, it does happen, absolutely. It's a wonderful thing, but it doesn't happen as much as it used to, where the whole family just stayed, right? That's a reality. They're, they're gone. They're gone to Edmonton, to Calgary, and that's just the way it is. So, so that contributes to the decline. And then, here, I need you to guess. He has a... He had, a, he had us guess too. In terms of, there's the category of evangelism. And that's a key ministry of the church, that the church reaches out to people. And so, of the six churches, the category of evangelism, over the past three years, he totaled it up. And how many do you think came into all six churches? Bethel in Edmonton, first in Edmonton, first in Red Deer, big active churches, Rimby, active church out there. How many came in terms of evangelism? You think 50 or 30? It's like, pardon? 200. (laughs) You got one number, right? Two. Two people are registered as coming into the church, coming to faith through evangelism. In all six churches, two people. When this is, this is our call to do and to be, and it's not getting done, and we're not being faithful. And so the sense of urgency as a church, what, what do we need to do? How can we proceed? We need to look seriously at where we are as believers and church, and we need to recognize, too, where we are, are in fact, falling short and where God would want us to be more faithful. And so that's the sense of urgency that I wanted to lay before you as well this morning. And that's the urgency why we are starting a renewal process, why we want to uh, do something to address the the reality that we find ourselves in culturally and as a church and and, and the different challenges and the dynamics of who we are. And, and seek to just recognize, too, there, that, that we, we have much, and we have many gifts and abilities, and we have much opportunity in our community, but, but just a sense of, okay, let's, let's really focus on what God would want us to do and seek to do that work well. And so we're going to begin, very biblically, with a time of listening, listening to God and to each other and to our community and that, that we, would, we would find, too, places where we would engage and be able to minister well. And then we're going to imagine how we can, as a church, meet God's call on our lives to be uh, that unfolding fellowship. And then, and then we want to implement the things that the Lord sets before us. So that's 
that's the, the urgency on the one hand. The, the second sense of urgency is, is God's call. I made reference to it already. And, and the reason we would do this is because God wants us to do this. That has to be the first. We, we don't just need more people in the church to run the programs and stuff like that. We'll get the programs running, that's fine. The urgency is really what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew 9. The underlying reality, the great truth of Jesus calling us to reach people for, for Christ, to, to draw them to faith. And in fact, sometimes we think too, well, well, there is really nobody out there who needs to be drawn to faith. They're all, they're all doing fine. Well, no, no, they're not, in fact. And in fact, there are many, many, many in this very community who have, who have no faith, no church home, no, no hope of the gospel at all. And so to, to be aware, too, of God's calling us, of Jesus calling us to go out into the harvest field, to be those harvesters, because the harvest is plentiful, and it is around here, too, but the workers are, free, are few. And, and I'm thinking, too, I had a call from Grant this week. He was just, uh, what were you? You were out till midnight, right, in the harvest, right? Yeah. And, and others here, too, have been harvesting, right? And that's good. When the harvest is ready, you go out. So, so imagine that's the image Jesus is using. The harvest is there. I walk through the canola field, the, the food grains bank field. I just walk through there. Huge, huge. And they tried, yeah, it was too wet yesterday. But next Saturday is the plan, right? Going to harvest that field. But what if, what if your boss called you, Grant, and the harvest time, and you said, no, I'm staying home with Eric. That's good. <laughs> That's a good excuse. But when the harvest is ready, you have to get out there. And, and I know we were supposed to meet on Wednesday night, but Craig gave me a call. He says, sorry, Pastor. Uh, you know, we're We're going. And I said, absolutely, you go. We'll meet next week. No problem. When the harvest is there, you have to go and bring it in. And if you just left it out there, yeah, it's lost. It, it, it rots. It's, it's wasted. It's no good. And so the, the people knew that picture too very much. And Jesus brings that to mind just like we know it. And and that we would have that in terms of our mission to reach those who don't know the Lord, to bring them in. That's the zeal, the desire. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We need to be part of that work, for there are people who need to hear the work, the saving work of Jesus. So that, that is the picture here in Matthew 9. And as, as that's laid out, we continue to read into Matthew 10 because that's where Jesus sends out the disciples. In Matthew 10, we see the 12 sent out and they're named again exactly um, there at the beginning of the chapter. Ordinary people. Just to highlight the fact 
Yes, they are the 12 disciples. And on the one hand, they are given by God's, uh, Jesus says he, he equips them to do, to do wondrous things. And so we might think too, we can't uh, cleanse the leper, drive out demons, things like that. But we are also given the authority of God. And they were just ordinary folks to go out into people's lives, people's situations, and to share the good news of Jesus as Lord. That reality comes through even when it says here in verse 5, very specifically, as he is saying to them, don't, don't go to the Gentiles. Did you notice that? Jesus is sending them out to do a great harvest work, but you don't, don't go into that field right away. And then don't go to the Samaritans, right? He says in 10 verse 5, he says, go, go to your fellow Jews. And, and what is that? He said, go, go to people you know and people you are comfortable with. And, and we have that. I, I could walk around town and I can talk to people who I know. I just know who they are. And you've been in town long enough. You know people. And they're not Christians, but you know them. And they don't go to church, but you know them. You know their children. You know what they've done. You play hockey with them. You eat in the restaurant with them. Well, those people are the ones God has given us, first of all, to reach. Those are the ones. And I think it's very nice here in Matthew 10 how that picture of harvesting, you go to a field where you are able to harvest and the disciples were able to connect with people in that way and to bring the gospel in the context of what they themselves had experienced and so we also i think are in the same position here in lacombe we have those connections and the key is that we just need to have the boldness have the urgency of what, what can we share with these people? What do they really need? They need to know the Lord. That's what they really need. And we can share our knowledge of God's love in Jesus with them. So we're going to think too about getting over our fear and hesitancy and to enter into the joy of welcoming people and bringing them uh, to the hope of the gospel. The, the wonderful blessing that's shared there, Matthew 10 verse 8, freely you have received, freely give. Beautiful, that we would just freely share with people. And the need for that, Brian shared with me the other day, he was just as a, as a friend, uh, he went to the funeral of an infant daughter of a co-worker. Right, Brian? Yeah, Brian just went, and, and just as a Christian, right? He went to the funeral. Now, now, we would definitely do that, absolutely. And when he got there, like he didn't know a whole lot about the, the co-worker situation, but he entered into just, just uh, a, a little closer fellowship, understanding with this person. This person works in the north, so it wasn't like they, they knew a whole lot about each other. But he entered into that situation just with the love and grace of Christ. And, and, and what struck him, he shared with me, was, was how desperately needy that, that, that person was and that family was. In, in the death of the daughter, they had no faith, they had no hope. 
burying a three-year-old, a three-month-old, and, and there was nothing. So Brian had to sh- share the only Christian prayer. He was the only one. As the whole group of friends gathered and were sitting and no one knew what to say, he stood up and he said, let me share a little bit of the hope of the gospel. I mean, that's what people around us, they have nothing. And I just struck him too. And, and he asked a little bit about relationships and wives and, and there was all kinds of confusion in terms of who was married to who and who was with who and who was staying with who. And it was, it was, a, man, it was chaos. It was pain and hurt up and down. And that he could just, just come say, yeah, I, you know, I'm married to my wife, I have my kids, we're not perfect, but, but this was chaos. This was just hurt upon hurt. And, and we, we then go through our lives and think, well, everybody else is fine. They're all fine. They don't need the Lord. They need the Lord. They have nothing. They are so lost. But we, we don't get it sometimes. We just don't understand how, how much we have and that we've just been freely given it by God's grace. It's not that we are any better than them. So that we would freely say, hey, let me tell you something. Something that gives me hope. That's, that's what we are called to. And so in this picture too, as the disciples go out, they go with the assurance of bringing that good news. And there's an urgency because people, people need to know. Because without Christ, they have no hope. They live in darkness, in confusion, in uncertainty. Jesus does end in Matthew 10 with uh, the realization, verses 11 to 14, that some people will not welcome what you say. They will not welcome you. They will not listen to you. That, that does happen. Darkness is darkness. And as you seek to bring light, it, it, it might not. So don't, don't be thrown off by that. Don't quit. Don't give up. God loves these people. Maybe he has others you, want to, you need to work with at this time. There is, there is definitely acknowledgement that it can be hard, it can be difficult. But God assures us, Matthew 10, verse 1, that he goes with us, his authority to go with us, to guide us, to help us in doing the work. As we have compassion on the people around us. And that's, that's so amazing about Matthew 9, where Jesus looks on the people And it says in verse 36, he had compassion on them. They were harassed and helpless. Sheep without a shepherd. We want to introduce them to Jesus, the good shepherd, and call them to faith and hope and help in him. And to be a church that gives that message consistently, joyfully, thankfully to all who we can. What a privilege, what a blessing to be part of that work. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, we humbly bow before you this morning and we acknowledge that we need renewal, that we are not engaging the lost as we should. And we ask you, Lord, our prayer today is that, Jesus, you would use us and send us out to the harvest field. Lord, we pray that this morning uh, we want uh, to begin to think of people we know who do not know you. We want to think of uh, relatives or casual acquaintances that we might be able to talk to. 
We pray for them. We pray that you would give us opportunity to share with them the hope that we have. That we could come alongside in times of struggle, that we could be your love for them. Lord, we pray you would fill us with the urgency you have to help, to save the lost. May we take up the task you have given us right here of building your kingdom in this church, in this community. Give us those hearts of compassion so that both individually and as a church we can see the light of your love drawing people out of darkness into your marvelous light. Amen. We're going to respond in singing, O O Christians, haste, your mission fulfilling. A beautiful song of mission that speaks of the urgency that we have.
We have the privilege of praying for each other as a congregation, and we want to uh, remember certain special things this morning. Uh, last week, uh, John Boss shared with us that Mrs. Erna Keller was uh, close to death, and indeed she did pass.